Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host, and in today's episode, I interview Dean Philoboulos, the rehabilitation manager of the Collingwood Football Club. Dean has worked at the Pies for the last nine years in a range of different roles from VFL High Performance Manager to assisting the Strength and Conditioning Program. Let's get into today's episode. How you going, Dean? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, going well. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, too easy, mate. Bit of technical difficulties there, but we finally got on board. Yeah, there's always a little bit of that with tech, isn't there? Can we come yeah, you got me loud and clear here. Yep, can hear you beautifully, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll jump straight into it. Take us Good. back to the very beginning. Uh, when did you discover you had a, a passion for strength and conditioning? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, a bit of a different journey um, myself. I uh, sort of got into university a bit of a late starter at 23, 24 years of age. Um, pretty much governed by my now wife, who sort of was an academic herself and doing PT at the time, and she sort of pushed me along to get to uni. And in that first year, decided um, to do an internship at the Jainong Stingray while yep. while completing um, uh, the traditional exercise science course at the same time. And then from there, just we really got engaged with, you know, training athletes, and I guess that was the aim originally to get to university and and really enjoyed that. I think that was the, that was the under-16 program, and, and lucky enough, from there, the next year, ended up going to the Jets at the under 18 program, and then in the third year, ended up um, in the local team in the VFL, the Sandy Zebra. So I was lucky enough in those three years of uni to do a few internships and really, really get the search for SNC, particularly in the AFL sector. Yeah, that's great, mate. And were you um, guided by other professionals um, to, to go in and, and get that experience? I mean, year one, that's, that's un, unusual to. to get uh, internships of that calibre, um, take us through the, the mindset year one going into the degree and, and getting that sort of experience. No, I think it was just more of that uh, one of the uni courses from the time was just, um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was just one of those units where you have to complete work experience and online that I came up with um, the under-16s and just started from there, mate, to be honest, and Western just uh, an affiliation of um, in, uh was an Excel Science Uni course um, over there at, um, who was it now? Uh, got the touch a bit of a mind blank, to be honest. Um, from there, yeah, it just sort of just started and really got, I guess, in touch in the third year with one of the coaches who moved from Stingrays to the Sandy Zebras and really liked giving that opportunity to try um, the VFL. So, yeah, it, it's pretty one of those things that it's, um, it started while doing education, but obviously a network there that got me through to work in the VFL. You mentioned you, you got into uni degree a little bit later than, than uh, some others that go straight from high school. Were you doing personal training? Uh, take us through what you were doing the, the years after high school. Just a bit of here, a bit of there. Um, the old man was into um, the alcohol industry, so I was doing a bit of bottle shop running and working in that sector, and mate, not too much. Started off doing a little bit of construction 
Um, I literally fell into PT and started training myself. And, and just, yeah, the, the, the missus, who is a, a good woman of mine, she uh, pushed me into university and, and it literally just started off that. There was, there was nothing, um, wasn't really a good sportsman and it's just one of, one of those things where it's just gone, well, I wouldn't mind training um, an athletic population. So that was yep. pretty much it. Mate. There wasn't um, no mentor or no person or individual that sort of pushed me along that pathway. Um, yeah, a little bit different compared to uh, other journeys of other people. Yeah, and that and the the fact that you um got the practical experience that that seems to be a common trend. So that's not too different to a lot of people that are working in elite sport. So for those listening, developing S and Cs, how how important is it getting that experience? You mentioned the networking side with coaches giving you other opportunities. Uh, what other things did you learn and grow from by by getting your hands dirty? Uh, it was it was just more of um, progressing um, the skill set. Uh, the knowledge, uh, the experience from, from just like the general population. And, and that's where, um, at that time, it was just like, well, how, how do you learn the material? And, and for myself, I like to practice. Um, and I'm not really a good rope learner or, or a book learner. Um, considering, as I said, I started university later. So for me, it was trying to understand the content and the knowledge at university it was just more to somehow apply it in the field. And, and, and that's, how simple it was for myself to merge practical experience with gaining knowledge. Yep. And when you started that degree and started getting experience with Stingrays and then doing a good job there and getting opportunity with uh, Jets and then and then going progressing to the VFL, were you at that time, you know, working towards the AFL or at that point you were just um, following where you were sort of being led and, and asked to go, you know, in a sense? Like, was it? A intent of yours when you started the degree, I want to be in the AFL, or was it something that sort of grew as you, your career grew? Yeah, yeah, um, great question. It, it generally just organically just developed. Um, I had no, as I said, wasn't really much of a sportsman, had no clear goal just to go, right, I want to go work in elite sport. It was just more development over time. And um, yeah, at, at university, that they sort of sell you the stream to go to uni and get work experience and um, hopefully some internship. and you go work your way in, in professional sport, but as you know, it doesn't really work out that way. Um, you're yeah, lucky enough to do yeah, a few internships in that time, and um, all those roles are more uh, assistant roles. So following that last year at um, university, I was very lucky enough that the Zebras were affiliated uh, with the Sandy Dragons, and, and from there, everything wants to run my own fitness program, and I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to go to the Dragons and, and run a program um, in its entirety, and, and that was uh, uh, it's, uh, the year uh, immediately post my, my last year at university. So same year doing my honours, so it just worked out really well. It's just one of those things that just developed year by year and organically, and 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 just followed the path, as they say. Yeah, awesome, mate. That, that's great to hear. And hey, it sounds like you weren't getting too far ahead of yourself. You sort of focused on doing a good job with with who were in front of you and the athletes you were working with. So. Uh, it's probably quite a good message for, for yeah, not just developing staff, but also footballers to focus on um, what you can control and really dive all your effort into what you're currently doing. Um, it clearly worked for yourself, which is great. So you, you're Sandy Dragons, you're running your first program. You mentioned the other where you're more, you're assisted to other people. Um, mention those guys that you're um, working with that are influencing your career. What, what have 
uh, you mentioned you didn't quite have a mentor. You sort of shaped your own career, but who are some guys that have influenced your career to date? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they're really um, sort of different by nature from, from my background. Um, yeah, so the, um, when you're doing honours and trying to do football, you, you're not really, like, I say, I say time poor to develop, um, say, just football and mentoring and, and just honing that craft of S and C. Like, I still had a bit of a job on the side and, and trying to do honours at the same time. So, um, as I said, it was more, more of a lone ranger. Um, but following that year, um, I ended up getting into a PSC program. There's a few individuals there, like Dave Opa and Ryan Simmons. Um, there's uh, a really good group of cohort researchers at ACU. We're, we're still friends now and, and great practitioners in the field of hamstring um, research. So that's actually really important to me now because being a um, head of rehab, I guess it's a bit of a circle. And now I sort of lean on them for information. So um, I would say they're, they're really good um, guys in terms of mentors for information and practice and skill set in that program, but it also helped shape my SNC practice. Um, along the way, um, I was in the VFL for a very long time and um, Dale Tapping, head coach, I worked with him with Sam Dragon um, as well. So we were together for like seven years and, and Luke Gaddy, the VFL manager, like they were really good in my development, even though they weren't um, SNC performing coaches by trade. Um, they were just like, they gave me the ownership to run the program as best my ability and I sort of had that um, ability to coach and, and train my way, which was great. And I sort of saw it as seven one-year internships there where I tried different type of um, programs and SNC training and power training and conditioning. So I, I really feel like the VFL was, was my um, development to who I am today. And I, and I placed a really good importance on that and appreciate those guys for those seven years. Um, in, and also that time, I, I was lucky enough to work full-time in that soccer development program. And I was getting to know who's a really good friend of mine now, but also um, a really good soccer player, former player and coach. And I work with him at the moment now in the um, uh, semi-professional soccer world and a great guy to lean on in terms of developing skill set in other codes, but also mm. how do you bring that experience to, say, AFL. So although soccer or the round ball football code is a little bit different, um, I would say training methodologies and learning how to train different individuals can be a cross-code, and I, I reckon he's been really good for me um, to also bring different elements of, say, um, technical and technical training from soccer into football. I use that a lot now, particularly in my rehab setting. Um, and then obviously working my way through Collingwood. Um, now the, the HCM now, Kevin White, it was pretty important for, for me to get my um, leg in the door first about four years ago. So similar to yourself doing ASL, VFL, it was, it was pretty important for, for me to, I guess you saw some qualities there that I could step up, even though I thought my time was up. So um, yeah, he was great. And then Adam Polo now, who's the track manager, he's been around for a while in, in ASL and rugby. He's really full time collected and he's a really good guy to lean on and bounce ideas off. So a little bit different um, compared to probably other individuals in terms of mentoring, but uh, that's just probably the way I've sort of seen it and developed myself from a little bit more well-rounded than probably neat skill set. Um, and, then, and then from there, we're lucky enough, Adam and I, to go for a USA tour um, and hang around with Dan, Dan Pass for a while. So, yeah, that was great to really, really 
get some good skill development there and sort of hone in on other aspects of, say, um, truck and field and conditioning and, and just all-round performance programming and bring that knowledge back. Um, we've spent a lot of time with our guys and really, really developed some um, good skills. So they're probably the main um, mentors that sort of shaped me and helped me today. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Well, answer, mate. That, uh, there's, there's a great circle of people from different, um, I guess, have lenses, you know, whether it be the research side, track and field, soccer, football, like you mentioned, different, different um, yeah, VFL, AFL. Um, so no doubt that having people from different um, areas of expertise to lean on, like you said, with the rehab component and the strength and power component, um, good people to, to get on the call and, and have a chat with. Um, before we go into um, the damn um, fast stuff, that would be great to dive into and how, how that worked with Adam and, and, and um, what you guys did. You mentioned um, Ryan Timmins and David Opar. So that were they overlooking your honours? Is that was that the connection there? You did it through uh, those no, guys, no, or you just reached out to them? No, so I was ATU. There was a big intake of some PhD students, and um, yeah, Ryan Timmins was just another uh, person trying to complete um, his PhD program there, and David Opar was just a lecturer. So um, I was I was more completing my research in um, say strength training. Um, in a, say, hypoxic environment, which is like a low oxygen environment. Um, my, my, my supervisors were, um, Doug White and Stu Cormack, but they were just a lecturer there and it just connected really well. And there's a really good group there. We had like, um, Brian Simmons, Paul Safari, senior lecturer there, but, um, Ev Carr, who's working, um, say, the nutritional, oh, not nutritional, but more, um, uh, say, health side of things that, um, we got there, we had um, a few other, Blake McLean was there, so it was a really, really big group to learn off, all in different ways of learning and also um, different PFC projects, but like, like we were there for three or four years and we just, like, it was just a great place to learn and it was a really good um, sort of, say, team environment there to um, develop some skill set in the, the research world and, and try to bring that critical analysis to, say, the practical world now, so... It was just by chance, mate, to be honest. So, yeah. And now we're, we're all sort of still communicating with each other and, and we're all uh, working with different um, elite professional programs or senior lecturers or university degrees. And, and then from there, you, you, you build um, that sort of um, trust around each other and bounce ideas and, and further um, develop our, our skill set. So, yeah, it's probably around about. Um, 2012, yeah, so you've got on like eight years now, so yeah, very lucky in, in that context. Yeah, and then, and then the next phase you mentioned about how important um, the seven years you had with the VFL program and running a program and support um, of Luke Addy and that, and who was the head coach that you worked with? Uh, he's now at Brisbane as the Mitchell coach, so yeah, he's got a really, really good career himself, so yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, seven years, that's, that's a long time in the VFL system because it's a pretty transient um, system where, you know, it, it, it's tough going because you're doing it around other things where they're working throughout the day. Um, but obviously it, it's such a um, demanding, uh, you know, high-level sport, probably second to, to AFL in the country uh, or certainly up there. How did you go with, with sticking fat and, and sticking in the system for that long um, before getting a, a full-time contract? Take us through the... Effort for developing S and C's. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's difficult to really explain um, in its entirety. Like, um, being mature, I just sort of knew what I wanted. Um, although, as you know, it can be quite demanding being a, a nighttime program. And, um, I guess I was just lucky enough to have support from um, my wife now at the time. And, and I had no pressure to um, sort of shy away from the vehicle. So I, I really enjoyed it. I was in, engaged with it. Um, I was passionate about it. But when you think you have those qualities and you're attached to it, it does, it's just sort of like second nature. That, that was my personal feeling. So, and as I said, like, I was there for seven years, but I sort of tried a new thing every year. So I guess I saw it as just developing craft and skill set with a population um, that were quite conducive to um, being adaptable. Um, you know, like, for example, one year we worked on, say, um, 15 and it's prescriptions on that. Another year we worked on speed endurance conditioning. Another year was more sort of game conditioning when I started getting into um, soccer a little bit more. So um, the program, as I said, like Luke Gaddy being the, the manager and, and Taps being the coach, but they they supported that, which is great. And obviously we had a really good group of players that stuck around for five years and saw a name here that just popped up. Jack Kelly was the captain. G'day mate, how you going? Um, he was he was the captain the whole time, and then and as I said, like he was a good support as well for bringing the group together. And as I said, you get to try things. And that's the beauty about um, semi-professional world, and um, you can only make it as interesting as you can. And I just as I said, I tried to really develop something new every year, so I didn't really see it as a thing in my life. Yeah, awesome, mate. No respect. That's um, that's a great attitude to have and no doubt the athletes that were part of it um, would have fed off that um, the, the variation that you added to the program you mentioned different methodologies that you used take us through how that process would come about with you know around the October November period are you doing are you calling people and and reading about how, how would you go about okay they are, well, this is the this is a new methodology I'm going to feed into my philosophy with, with the program next year how, how would that come about um yeah so uh, yeah, originally, you just sort of, as you, as you know, you just sort of learn the cap. You, you try the basic things that you see from other AFL environments or you try yourself in pack. And, um, so you start off pretty basic and then you just, you, after, after a year, you're like, oh, hang on a minute, that, that, that's probably, you could have done that better or, or that might have worked. And, and it just rolled with the time. So, um, one year, um, I was looking at doing a, um, say a, a training study. Including the 315, and really got into into that, and and was lucky enough to um, study hard on it and, and get the audio tapes and and just trial that from the start and and and, and go. Well, you're not going to do it um, properly. Well, there's no point. So um, just just hold it, mate, and, and off we went with that, and and obviously went really really gung ho and and trying to do it properly. And from there, you learn what's good and and what's not, and, and how does it be implemented within your total. So it was one year, another year was um, as they got into soccer and they were full-time jobs in the day. Um, and from there, it was like all about small side of the game and how to build fitness qualities into football training. So once again, I was like, well, I'm going to learn this stuff. I'm all to it. So using guinea pigs in the VFL one year and, and just did small side of game conditioning in, in um, collaboration with the 32 teams. Then again, the best of both worlds. And then... Um, one year when I was doing my master's 
teaching, I ended up doing a work experience out at Trinity and met um, Mark uh, Ladbrook, who was a really good guy, and he was a 400-meter runner. So I started getting into speed endurance and I spent five weeks with him at, at school and I was going to do my teaching. We were just talking track and field and got into speed endurance running and, and short track distance running because um, I think the energy system of clients is similar to a 400-meter runner. So I just nailed that for a couple of years and I guess it just, as I said, just organically develops and I, that's just probably the top person I am. I'm not really, not really a black and white guy. Pardon the pun. I sort of like to be adaptable, try something new and see how it fits in and, and try to keep it um, reinvigorating because it just keeps me young as well. So um, in the first sort of um, just knowledge and, and trialling it, if we don't try it, then how we meant to know and I guess that's the beauty about having the VFL because, yeah, you, you, you don't want to put your players at risk but we have the opportunity to try these things in the second year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it takes courage as well to do that because it's probably a little bit easier just to do the same thing year in, year after um, the next. But to um, integrate different methodologies into your programming is, um, yeah, it's uh, it takes a bit of courage to do it because there is an element of risk, I guess. But like you said, if you're doing it well um, and, and doing it properly, then you're going to get the benefits from it. So. Um, oh, that's great. Great for listening for, for uh, S&Cs that are tuned in to the podcast. So thanks for sharing that, mate. We'll be right back after this short break to explain our most popular coaching program. I want to introduce you to Prepare Like a Pro Individualized. You'll train like a true professional with an intelligently designed program. We ensure everything is covered to optimally prepare yourself for game day. This premium package is for those that want a personal coach in their corner. The individualization starts with an in-depth questionnaire to really understand your goals and where you need support. Your coach will then tailor your program to suit around your school, work and sporting schedule. We will derive a Get Better plan, the GBP, which will be a step-by-step progression to help you achieve your dreams of elite performance. The GPP program takes a holistic approach. We focus on individualized running and gym work to help make you the strongest and fastest version of you, as well as a comprehensive lifestyle coaching around nutrition, sleep, and stress management. We use objective measures such as GPS, your technique footage, and gym loads to provide you with progress reports. You'll be learning from our presentations, taking food diaries, tracking your sleep, and learning how to nail your recovery. Our multifaceted approach aims to build you into the best athlete you can be, allowing you to change direction quicker, jump higher, run faster, and repeat high intensity efforts for longer. Overall, you become more focused on the field and resilient to injury. Ultimately, if you want to prepare like a pro, this is the package for you. Head to our Inquire Now page and we will contact you today. The next section you talked about with Dan Faff and um, that tour, was that sponsored through Collingwood? Did you guys do that all off your own sort of yeah. um, bat or how did that come about? Yeah, so um, yeah, Dan actually came to, to Melbourne and he ended up um, coming to our club and was here to give a presentation there and Adam and myself really, really got engaged with material. So um, we had a few chats with him and, and ended up going to a few his present, other presentations and just ended up um, connecting with him really well and, and we just thought, well, actually, yeah, had a good time with him in Melbourne for a couple of weeks, really got engaged with his knowledge and, and, and 
experience and 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 I know it's a different sport, but it's just more about athlete performance as a whole. And we just thought we'll, we'll just strike now and we'll just go find our own trip and go to America in the off season and spend the cash. And um, yeah, we're lucky enough to also have our connections through our performance um, with Dave O'Connor and Simmons, and, and we use those products as well at Collingwood. And, and they've got a lot of connections to all the teams that they have their assessment tools through. And we just ended up making a, a round tour for, for, for three weeks and visiting about 15 places and, and, and wow. just, yeah, funded it ourselves because I've sort of never really done that before. And I thought, well, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly and, and hang around his network. And it was really good, really good learning um, for, for us because we sort of, like, you, you can take elements of, say, or track field or that, but as long as you just bring it back to your sport and how you break down certain elements, um, and so it's all really useful. So, yeah, it's sort of governed a lot of my thinking today and now, going from that to it. So, really, um, really, really important for my development in the last few years, particularly in, in the rehab setting as well. And is that a formal thing that you can? Uh, enrol in, or did you guys just basically create your own three-week tour and you're effectively yeah, shadowing it? Yeah, a lot of emails, a lot of yep. connections, doing throwing. Yeah, got it done in the end, but uh, yeah, not. not yeah, it was it was a bit of a headache, but um, yeah, it was pretty full on. And and now we know if we ever want to go again, um, we know what to do, who to speak to, um, what areas to learn, and probably um, look at sort of specific. Individuals to bring it back and, and learn specific elements of training. So, yeah, you, you've got to try these things. Um, otherwise, if you just get stuck on tour, it ends up being just uh, our big our gym is, and you can probably get nothing from it. So, yeah, it was a good experience, and and now it sort of shaped um, our knowledge and thinking and, and training our philosophies for both Adam and I. I reckon the last few years has just really, really benefited us. Yeah. Now, if we head back to your, your journey, so we, we touched on uh, your progression to the Sandy Dragons, running your own program, and then we got into people that have helped shape you, your career. After Sandy Dragons, what was the, the next role for you? Uh, yeah, so I uh, said so, uh, uh, pretty lucky um, from Dragons. I think at the time, Kirsty Cup um, promoted um, connections with AFL teams. So we were connected with Collingwood. And I was lucky enough at the time to go down to Collingwood within that year. And then from there, it was just one of these things where David Butterson was HGM at the time and, and he just asked me, what am I doing next year? Where am I at? And there's a role opening up for the VFL. So VFL Collingwood, that is. And, and that was it. So after, after Honours and, and the Dragons that year, just, um, 2012 now, I think, yeah, 2012 at Collingwood and, and left. So yeah. It was, yeah, there's not much to it. It's pretty simple as that. So, yeah, we're really lucky in that sense. Um, there's not much more to that. Just strike a bit of luck, and I think sometimes you, you, you can make it. So, yeah. Fantastic, but, mate. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you put yourself in that position, and you had plenty of experience at that point to, to create that luck. So, um, yeah, it took the opportunity. And what was your, your first role at the club? Were you, um, what, what were you involved in? Uh, no, just pure VFL, mate. So, yep. yeah, so 2012 until 20, um, season 2018, that was just, um, VFL. Um, and, and as I said, like, you can, 
I, I could have pulled myself, to be honest, I could have pulled myself out there a little bit more and, and helped out with the AFL during the day. But being a mature age, like I was, yeah, time was producing minors, um, in, enrolled in a PhD program. And in between those years, I ended up working full time in a, in a soccer academy slash sports development program. So I was working full time, mate. And, and I just sort of, I could have taken the opportunity to come with it all, but I didn't. And I had other life experience to work out. And that was it. Yeah. So I was literally just doing CFL that whole time. And as I said before, really, really loved it. And it was a great time. And, um, yeah, don't look back on, um, all those late nights and, and I guess it makes you who you are today. So, yeah, that's just simple was. It's just VFL only until 2018, um, season 2018 to 2017. And is that when the role became dual sort of high performance manager and then the assistant S&C in the yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, lucky enough. There, there was a changing program there and Kevin White saw something he made to, um, yeah, merge into the AFL as well. So, obviously, I had to um, diminish my role and probably getting into it teacher, I thought that was what I was going to do, and I, I let that let that be, and yeah, decided to work on um, AFL and in that sort of professional sector, so it sort of felt like I had to start again, but it, it was worth it um, in the end, and hopefully now, yeah. Yeah, uh, no doubt, and and you mentioned teaching, um, how has teaching helped shape your, your coaching, um, you know, in yeah. terms of, yeah, uh, take us yeah. through some skill sets yeah. that's helped? Uh, yeah, the only reason why I sort of ventured into that sector was because of the, um, the SC11 program we were at was the soccer academy and teaching, and I guess you have to do both. So I really got engaged with the, the practical learning, um, followed by soccer practice, and then the same material being provided in, in the classroom. I, I guess I could connect with that because I was probably the type of individual I was um, growing up. So um, from there, I was like, oh, there's something to this. So I'm starting a family now. And, Decided to get into a master's teaching course, and 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 from there I was like, yeah, like, you know what, why I enrolled it, or how is this beneficial? A lot of terms, a lot of pedagogies, but by the end of it, it was it's good, critical to coaching. I think it's just related. So major things like um, like approaching to teaching kids, like your learning strategies, to the same whether it's a student or an athlete. I think um, you always got to find the best outcome. So I've got to find different teaching strategies or learning strategies to get you as an athlete on board get what I want in terms of the objectives and outcomes. Um, other things like language, how to speak, players is critical, um, particularly to build that trust and obviously employee language and tone of voice. I think particularly now with the rehab, I think that your, your language and your tone, um, your body language and your tone of voice is super critical um, because no one really wants to be in rehab, mate, and it's not a really good positive experience So, um, yeah. as a player. So, yeah, a, a lot of, by the end of my teaching course, there's a few elements there of um, I could use this to help be a better coach. Okay, so you didn't enrol in the Master of Teaching um, as a way that, you know, a mentor or someone, or you thought personally, this is going to make me a better coach. It was more, uh, it was something you were passionate about doing as a potential sure. other degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my job going forward, mate, until, yeah, the Collingwood came knocking in 2018. So that's all it was. And uh, by the end of it, uh, half the strategies that I do now, even, even some conditioning strategies or even PE skills for games, I use that for my rehab. So um, by the end of it, yeah, it's just similar to 
you know, my PSV and, and soccer. Um, there's just something that I've got from elements of that that I use today and, and sort of, um, yeah, that time, you, well, once you're in it, as you know, you're doing stuff and you're like, well, how is this relevant? But once you get out of it and you reflect and you think, how can you utilize type of information and body of work? And I guess that's probably what I do. It, it, I think too much, mate, and reflect a lot, but that's just as hard as I am and, and how I sort of practice. Yeah, and you mentioned the engagement, like um, being able to talk their language when, you know, like you said, athletes don't want to be in rehab, so it can be challenging to get build that trust, um, but it's critical and, and it's really important. So how, how do you go about doing that when an athlete is really down and flat? What are some ways that you do to, to try and shift them, I guess? Yeah, well, it's, it's a, that's a tough one because, as I said, uh, most, most, particularly in the acute stages, most, uh, every athlete's in pain. Um, they're connecting with the ailment or the injury, whether it's tissues or joints. So it's more of like sitting down, I get engaged with them, we write down goals, we get specific, we get specific in terms of what we want to develop, and it just starts from there. Um, and so in terms of goal setting, practice, because at the end of the day, I think the rehab program theirs. So I want to make sure that they have some ownership and they master what they want to do in the next four to five to six weeks while. Um, but, you know, it changes for individuals. So like if there's, a, if there's a year one player who hasn't been injured before, that sort of changes a little bit where you're being more directive and you're sort of tailoring the program and, and, you're, and you're, having, you're forcing the objectives. But if someone has been there multiple times, um, they know what it's about. So it's all about just fostering, facilitating. So from there, we have goals. We have this, we've communicated well. I've listened. We're going to share the knowledge and we're going to find, set, get there and solve, um, problem for them being better developed as an athlete. Um, hopefully where they are tied to the injury, but also, um, finding ways to, um, if you're talking just like being happier and stuff, well, that comes also with the type of conditioning or the type of strength um, training that you give them. So I would try to find things that they like mm-hmm. and I'll feed that to them because then they start to feel good and as a result, they get more engaged and then start to develop physical qualities and hopefully leading to more returns to training and playing. So it's yeah, it's not not a uh, a matter of you just telling them what to do. It's quite a two way sort of relationship that you have with the players, and you get them involved um, in, in the process. Yeah, this is sort of sort of part of um, what I do. I like to have a bit of autonomy with, with the player, and I let them master skills, whether it's you know, their training, type of training, whether it's strength or conditioning, and actually sort of giving them a sense of purpose. That's just that's just what I sort of believe in terms of my. Um, model, um, but as I said, like I, 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 I think sometimes us as practitioners, we are um, biased to our coaching, and we we sort of tell them what we think sometimes. Mm. I think that can be a limiter in terms of training practices, um, and we probably need to shy off away from that and go, oh, I know that this type of strength or power training or this type of conditioning is the best, but that might not be suitable. So we have to be more adaptable to the player, who they are, whether it's relying on their biological factors or their tissues or 
sports type of athlete in terms of are they tendon or muscle bias, are they bouncy, you know what I mean? Those are little things that we can talk about, but it's just going off who they are, what their needs are, and how we tailor the program to them so they get the best out of it. And that sort of shifts their mindset, I think, being engaged with the training content more than yeah. us going, no, nah, this is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And, and it's something that pops up a fair bit with experienced um, coaches that have got a lot of experience like yourself. You know, we're not dealing with robots. You've got to work with, you know, all humans are different with different backgrounds and different bodies. So, um, yeah, it's a great philosophy that you have. And um, I'm sure you're not alone with, with people at the top that who have been in it for a while. You, you probably re- recognise the importance of, of dealing and having that connection with, with the people you're working with, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it, de- it definitely seems to be the modern day approach anyway. Um, is that something that you, you sort of comes quite naturally for you, that, that people side and building the relationship, or is that something that you had to work uh, on over the years? No, uh, uh, um, definitely, um, yeah. I think early, early days I would say I was, I was a bit, bit shy as an individual and I probably found confidence. Um, I think the wife sort of, uh, gr- uh, sort of, brought it out of me a little bit, just did the opposite, I guess that makes us whole, so, um, yeah, and it just takes time with, with different athletes and different programs, and I think that's just one of the things that I was going to mention to anyone, and, and on, no matter what level um, you want to coach at, it, there's always ways you can learn off that level, whether it's 16, 18, soccer, footy, hockey, and you shouldn't really just go, no, I don't want to work with those athletes, because I'd rather be at the elite level. So I guess it just comes from working with different, um, mm. different individuals, athletes, so say whether it was teaching in the classroom, whether it was a soccer athlete, or the BFL players and AFL, I guess it, it's just sort of developed over time. Because being in the classroom and dealing with, say, sports development, um, shooting athletes to really engage with soccer. And that went on being in the classroom, but that was one of the hardest ones, and that's where that all came in terms of so how do I find the best learning approach for them, get the best out of them, the stuff that I would like for them to, to develop in terms of whether it's academia or training content. So that's where you, I think I, the, the elite levels is a lot easier. You can sort of just say, we're going this way, and I'm like, yeah, sure, because I trust you and your experience. So when, when you get to the lower levels, um, if you can get through to them, I think that's just as important and find different ways about yourself and how to get there and get the best out of an individual. Yeah, yeah. And for those that are not aware of what a rehab manager does at an AFL club, what, what are some key um, people that you work with, like key relationships and, and take us through like a, um, a typical day or a week? Um, Collingwood for you. Yeah, so... Yeah, the first year, first year in the job here, and obviously learning every minute every day, and it, it, it's pretty full on, to be honest. Um, yeah, you, you have a, you have a head of medical, you have a doctor, you have a, you have a HPM, and you have a line figure that, that, um, tailored with the player as well. So you, you can be up to three to four people, um, in the whole rehab process and journey, um, and discussions. And that's where, yeah, it's, it's um, Something that you, you really got to have um, good communication skills, good listening skills. I think are very critical. And yeah, as I said, I'm not perfect, but um, over time um, we're getting used to it as well. Um, 
and particularly, particularly for me, I think you know, there hasn't been too many SNC rehabbers at Collingwood, so that's probably new for the medical um, as well as well as the physical. So yeah, I think the last yeah three or four months it's um, been a little bit more consistent. They know what I'm about, and um, just now it's just sort of developing that little bit more trust and and we can get the best outcomes in terms of players returning to form more than um, just train. So, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's really hard to fully give you the full context of it, but, yeah, a lot of people involved, and obviously in that is the player, and, and that's where you should start with first. It always be how do we get the best of the player and try not to worry about ourselves too much. Yeah, I love that. Great, mate. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing the, the dynamics of it. Yeah, like you mentioned, there's a few people that you you have to uh, stay connected with and and keep everyone updated, which that communication is critical. Um, but yeah, that's a good good one to end on. In, in that the player needs to be the forefront of everyone's mind. For the developing footballers, which there'll be a few tuning in, um, you've seen um, you know some of the best players that are going around at, at Collingwood and how they go about it um, with their training and, and preparation on game day. What are some traits that you've uh, noticed and picked up on that young players, um, if you're working with developing footballers, that you try and teach and, and uh, build awareness around? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think the game in general is just bloody, bloody hard, mate, to be honest. Um, you have to have the mixture of speed, endurance, power, strength, and obviously general fitness capacity. So um, I think in, 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 in simple terms, consistency of training is key. Um, completion of training Key. Um, and obviously putting like putting time into yourself, um, whether it's um, doing what well, people say extras or getting better every day, um, working on technical skills or tactical elements or the physical nature. It's just more of you can come in in a good state and have continuity of training, completing all elements of the training program. And if you work hard. I think you just get rewarded. That's how simple it is. There's probably no um, no secret recipe, to be honest, with you, I think, in, um, in AFL. So um, with that, it's also to be good if the player can give us some direction in terms of what they see themselves and where they have a skill in the football field and where they, where they want to develop say their limitation or strength or weaknesses within a certain period. So that can shape say your programming in the next month or two. Just want to look at the scoop programming. Um because most people don't look at the long term too much. They obviously want to get games into themselves. So they sort of find it hard just to narrow their thinking. All right, so they will narrow their thinking and they won't think broadly. So after say a year, player will work out um, their deficiencies and then from there, if you can find out some really good goal-setting strategies, then we can sit there and put something together to go off speed, so you'll ask, we'll go develop that, and that's still probably it's endurance, strength, if you want to play inside mid, um, and, and all those other elements that might get you the game going forward. But in, in, in simple terms, it's just continuity and consistency and just making sure that you just do the best you can on that day and do that regularly over a long period of time. Awesome. Oh, well, th- thanks so much, mate, for, for sharing 
not only um, tips and tricks for the developing staff and, and footballers, but also um, your journey and what's worked for you to get to where you are today, which um, yeah, for many listening, no doubt, will be something they're striving for. So to hear it from someone um, that's done it like yourself, like you said, um, you went into uni a little bit later on um, and you're experiencing other fields of work through family and other jobs. Um, so it's good to hear it from someone that's... Um, done it in a different way, um, but still worked through and got plenty of experience and, um, and, and networks all along the way as well, whether it be in research, in elite sport. Um, yeah, it's amazing, mate. It's been really good to hear. I've, t- I've definitely taken from a lot from it. I'm sure everyone that's tuned in and those listening to the recording have as well, mate. So thanks heaps. Uh, yes, thanks for having me on. Hopefully um, okay, gave up something that um, some people can connect with and, and utilise that going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Dean. It's been good to chat, mate, and we'll catch up for a beer or a coffee at some point in the future, mate, in the flesh. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, mate. We'll uh, keep you through that as well. Awesome, man. Cheers, mate. Thanks, heaps. Catch you, Dean. If you tuned in late for the chat, guys, make sure to catch the IGTV. It's on our Instagram, so you can catch the full recording and watch Dean's uh, live chat from the start. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the podcast, we upload all new episodes every Monday. So to be notified, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you enjoyed that podcast and you want to, you want more information on how we can help you, click the link in our Instagram bio about our academy. Thanks. Until next time. Cheers, guys. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane and I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, sure yeah, game game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, 
perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is, is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to, be, to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an S&C coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single minded back then. And, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things. And, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear, fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.